Streaming live from the beautiful city of Hollywood, Florida, USA. This is SoFloRadio.com. What's the limit? $20. Big bet's $20. You've seen half the hand. How the fuck are you betting into us? You sure this is wise, Abe? It's your money the kid's betting with. That's plenty wise. We know what we're holding and we know what you're holding. (laughs) The fuck you know what we all got? Well... You were looking for that third three, but you forgot that Professor Green folded it on 4th Street, and now you're representing that you have it. Um, the DA made his two pair, but he knows they're no good. Judge Kaplan was trying to squeeze out a diamond flush, but he came up short, and Mr. Eisen is futilely hoping that his queens are going to stand up. So, like I said, the dean's bet is $20. Well, kiss my ass. <laughs> kiss my ass. <laughs> What'd you have, babe? Nothing but a busted straight. Oh, come on. All right, kid, your first assignment. Pull up a seat next to me. Yeah, good afternoon, everybody. I am Tony C. Welcome to the Groovathon. We're back. We're back on schedule. We're back on time. We're back on time. We're back on time. And Even it's traditional rain. The, uh, was, you bring the, the rain. Ter- what was the term you you said? Oh, lloviendo la gota grande. That's it. The big drop. The, the heavy, big, just big, heavy gobby water out here. Raining water balloons. Yeah, man. Unbelievable. As always, of course, as you can hear, I am joined live in the studio by the master of production and engineering, the man who makes sure that our groove is satiny smooth, Gramps Master Flash. Let's everybody say hello to Los Georges. Thank you. Thank you very much. There you go. I got a good one in there, right? Nice hang time. I like that. I hope everybody's having a good good day. I hope you had a good week. And, of course, every Groovathon centers around an attitude of gratitude. Mucho mahalo to everybody tuning in and downloading here in America and around the world, y'all. Yeah, people all over the place getting their groove swirl on. We love that action. Uh, You know, I'll tell you, here, just get this out of the way. The Mets, my beloved, mighty Metropolitans, are now in the lead uh, for the wild card. Okay, out of nowhere. The team... Every, every, I don't even know the people, half the people on the team anymore. They showed the, the starting day lineup and they showed the lineup from yesterday after they beat the, uh, who'd they beat yesterday? I believe it was Minnesota, the, uh, the Twins, I think they, they beat, beat the crap out of them. Of course, they're the worst team in baseball, so you should beat the crap out of them. But, um, the, the starting lineup's completely different. Half our starting rotation, gone. Everybody's gone. And yet, somehow, we're beating everybody, and we're now in the lead, and it looks like we have a good shot to make the playoffs. So for me, Terry Collins, Manager of the Year. Hands down, Terry Collins, National League Manager of the Year. <laughs> Stop banging the table, Tony. I hear you, baby. How are you doing, man? Doing great. All right. Yeah, what's, what's we, got in, we got in ahead of the rain. Yeah. By the time we get out, the rain will be gone. It'll be gone. It's just one of those. It's still beautiful over there. It's just one of those little Florida flash. When it oh, when it started raining, though, it was raining, pal. Yeah, that's how it's going to be in the fall. The uh, fold, cold fronts, uh, the fold crunts, the fold, the fold crunts keep coming through. 
Well, we've got lots and lots of stuff to get to today. Lots of groove, of course. Also, I've got praise, I swear to God, for the F-35 jet project. I've got praise for United Press International, who has now gotten on the Tony C. bandwagon regarding pot. I've got praise for a wrestler. And, you know, we both love this guy. Okay? And, yeah, i got some poetry for you, ass. I've got poetry. My ass really likes poetry, so I'm glad you have some poetry for it. I know what a Walt Whitman fan you are. Yes. Leaves well, my ass is. Well, it's not leaves of grass. In your case, it's leaves of ass. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that's five minutes say- in, and we're doing comedy. I yeah. know. Well, it was the segue there because he was he was the man that said, "I see great things in baseball. It, it, it will be right. a national game." He was I'll a take big, your word for it. Big baseball fan. Sure, he used to play it when he was in Brooklyn. Uh, when he he moved to Brooklyn in the eighteen. 18- 20s, I, I think that uh, 1820s or 30s. You know the game where you would throw a knife in between each other's feet. You know, chicken. Just throw a knife in between each other's feet and keep putting your feet closer together. Until to somebody, that yeah, that's that's the national that's game. The I think that ought to be the what, national game like for America. The knife thing where you put your fingers out, like, if you're right, or so, yeah, something like that. But just like, <laughs> something appropriate to America. Well, we've I think got it should be of, that. We've got a lot of stuff today. A lot of stuff going on. Of course, all of that is going to be surrounded by two hours of the finest, most diverse groove anywhere on the air, and I absolutely mean it, okay? I'm spanning the globe, baby. We've got it all. It is just past 2 o'clock, and the only Hollywood that matters anymore, Hollywood, Florida. That means it is 8 a.m., just a little bit past 8 a.m. on the Big Island of Hawaii. Just had a little chit-chat with a friend of mine out there on the Big Island. Sounds like things are good. It's not raining as hard as it used to, so that's good for some of us. Radio. We need things to get dried out a little bit over there. 7 o'clock in Western Europe. Shout out to live in St. Anne's and to Lisbon, Portugal. Big shout outs to those people over there. You about ready to get this show on the I'm road? ready. Oh, yeah. We're going to kick it off now. Hey, Groovatiers, saddle up and stick around. We kick it off with a little STP on the Groovaton on SoFloRadio.com.
You know, whenever you're exposed to advertising in this country, you realize all over again that America's leading industry is still the manufacture, distribution, packaging, and marketing of bullshit. <laughs> High-quality bullshit. World-class designer bullshit, to be sure. Hospital-tested, clinically proven bullshit. But bullshit nonetheless. And it always amuses me that so many people seem to think that bullshit only comes from certain sources. You know, advertising, politicians, salesmen. Not true. Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Parents are full of shit. Teachers are full of shit. Clergymen are full of shit. Law enforcement people are full of shit. The entire country is completely full of shit. In fact, this country was founded by a group of slave owners who told us that all men are created equal. That is what's known as being stunningly, stunningly full of shit. And you know, I think... Uh, and I think people show their ignorance when they say they want politicians to be honest. What are these people talking about? If honesty were suddenly introduced into politics, it would throw everything off. The whole system would collapse. And I think deep down the American people know that. The American people like their bullshit out front, where they can get a good strong whiff of it. That's why they re-elected Clinton. Listen. Clinton might be full of shit, but he lets you know it. Dole tried to hide it. I'm an honest man. Bullshit. Bullshit. People don't believe that shit. Clinton said, hi, I'm full of shit, and how do you like that? And the people said, at least he's honest. At least he's honest about being full of shit. It's like the business world. All businessmen are completely full of shit. Just the worst kind of people you could ever want to run into. Businessmen. And the proof of it is, they don't even trust each other. They don't trust each other. When a businessman is negotiating a deal, the first thing he does is to automatically assume that the other guy is a complete lying prick who's trying to fuck him on the deal. So he has to do everything he can to fuck the other guy a little bit harder and a little bit faster. And then, when it comes to dealing with customers, that's when you get the big smile. That's when you get the big smile. Businessman always has that big smile on his face as he carefully positions himself directly behind the customer and unzips his pants and services the account. We specialize in customer service. You heard that? Now you know what it means. Whoever coined the phrase, let the buyer beware, was probably bleeding from the asshole. <laughs> then you have advertising. Advertising is the businessman's cheaply dressed $2 blowjob. Advertising sells you things you don't need and can't afford that are overpriced and don't work. And they do it by exploiting your fears and insecurities. And if you don't have any, they'll be glad to give you a few by showing you a nice picture of a woman with big tits. 
That's the essence of advertising. Big tits. Threateningly big tits. And speaking of big tits, what about show business? Show business, completely dishonest, corrupt, and full of shit, but in a nice way. Plenty of expensive drugs and perverted sex. If you're going to be full of shit, might as well enjoy your work. Then you have the media. Not just the news media, let's include them all. The media are almost literally exploding with bullshit. Because they're located right at the crossroads of all the other bullshit. The media are made up of equal parts, advertising, politics, business, public relations, and show business. These people are sitting right at bullshit junction. There's enough bullshit in the media for Texas to open a branch office. And you still have enough left over to start two law firms and a Christian bookstore. Because... Because, folks, I gotta tell you, when it comes to bullshit, truly major league bullshit, you have to stand back in awe, in awe of the all-time heavyweight champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. Organized religion. It's no contest. Religion easily, easily has the best bullshit story of all time. Think about it. Religion has convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a list of ten specific things he doesn't want you to do. And if you do any of these things, he will send you to a special place of burning and fire and smoke and torture and anguish for you to live forever and suffer and burn and scream until the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you. He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, and all-wise. Just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions and billions of dollars. They pay no taxes, and somehow they always need money. You talk about a good bullshit story. If I may be permitted a small pun, Holy shit! Holy shit!
Let's all turn on. That's from Stone Age Romeo's back in 84. It's a great album, man. When I came out, man, I, that, was, that was good, solid rock and roll. Before that, a favorite track. George's trying to figure out where he knows it from. That is, the beat goes on. It's originally a Sonny and Cher song, but that, that version is so much better. That is Buddy Rich live with his daughter, Kathy Rich, doing the vocals on that. Fantastic. The horns in that are just amazing. The horn section in that is I love that stuff. A little Buddy Rich for your for your afternoon there. Can't go wrong for that. The Beastie Boys in a world gone mad. That was actually released as uh, kind of a standalone MP3 back uh, in 2000, I don't know, early 2000s sometime. Um, but I wrote down, there was a note here that I wrote down. I said the song was named number 26 on the worst songs of the 2000, really? like between 2000 2009 in a 2009 Village Voice article. Like, you know, first things first. You'd think that the Beastie Boys would get a little bit of a little bit of leeway from their home from a hometown paper. You know, I don't know why they named that one the Fifty Song. I think that's a great track, man. What the fuck's wrong with these people? You can't come I, I up know, with it. You can't come up with another. There's 49. no accounting for taste. Yeah, but you can't come up with another forty nine songs that sucked worse than that. I could right yeah, now. Right now, <laughs> really. You know, <laughs> easily. Before that, George Carlin telling us the way it is. There's bullshit everywhere, baby. Bullshit. Everywhere. Yeah. George, he's the, he's the master. He's the master. He's the master. For that terrific little track, I've had this laying around for a while and I've wanted to play it. I have a uh, a whole bunch of compilations and, and collections and stuff from UK Funk, uh, which is a collection you could put together. That was Carol Grimes doing Uphill Peace of Mind. Came out in 1975. Chick, she's a kind of a folk, funk, soul singer. Uh, from England in the seventies, a fantastic, fantastic track right there. Carol Grimes' "Uphill Peace of Mind" from nineteen seventy-five. She really didn't have much other stuff out. Um, she, you know, there was there was a lot of stuff. I went through a lot of seventies music. I've got like three or four different tracks from nineteen seventy. Actually, I believe in this show. And kicking off the set, yeah, STP Stone Temple Pilots. Take a load off. That's from. Uh, I'm not sure if it was their last uh, CD. Came out two thousand and ten. Just called Stone Temple Pilots, I believe. So, what went so on buttons. this week? We had we had stuff that went on this week. First things first, I was just talking about the Beastie Boys. All right, I am shocked that nobody during the uh, the illness thing for uh, for Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. got around to using uh, what's the time? It's time to get ill. How, how is it possible nobody used it's time to get ill for anything? You know, hang on a second. What was the... Uh... The doctor said it was pneumonia because it happened some months later during a flu epidemic. The doctors told me it was pneumonia, but I knew what it was. A victim of the modern age. Poor, Oh, uh, yeah. They said the doctor said it was pneumonia. We're going to let... We literally will yeah. laugh at that every time. There wasn't a bad scene in that movie. I know. It's just it's a mess. They literally, because I played that two mm. shows ago, mm. and then, God bless her, she serves it up to me on a freaking silver platter. Yeah. They said it was pneumonia. Yeah. I'll tell you, one of the things, you know, here's a little tip, um, because I was going through a bunch of Beastie Boys stuff, um, and I realized something. It, a great way to discover random groovy tunes, take a look at um, the sample credits from mm-hmm. Beastie Boys albums. Okay, particularly the first two. Okay. Particularly the, the the first well actually all of them. But their first two albums, the 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 list of songs that get sampled on that, take a look at those and then check out the songs 
that they sample that you've never heard of. There's a bunch. I mean, they, you know, they sample when the levee breaks, for God's sake. Okay, do I know that? Yes, I know that song. There were a bunch of songs in there I didn't know. I wasn't aware of them. And so I went and kind of poked around. And it's a fantastic way because um, Mixmaster Mike really knew his stuff. He knew all about all those great grooves and shit. And so you go through the sample credits and then pick out those songs and listen to some of that. And there's some great stuff in there. And so I've discovered some pretty cool shit in there. All right. What else went on this week? Well, this is the one I was talking to you about. I haven't figured this out yet. The headline is Aurora Massacre Survivors Sued. How did some end up owing the theater $700,000? Basically what happened was uh, this guy went in. He shot a bazillion people, mm-hmm. injured, I don't know, a, he, he killed a bunch and injured a ton more. So, of course, the people in the theater sue the theater chain. Cinemark, I believe, is what the theater chain is. All right. They sue them. And what they brought in, you know, I have the article here, but it took so long to pull up, I can't, I, I became frustrated. Damn internet. Goddamn Los Angeles Times. Yeah. But during the, they, there are two phases of the trial. I guess there's the state phase and there's the federal. Thing. All right. So the, the state phase goes on first. And basically, if you want to win at federal, the state, if you don't win at the state, your likelihood of winning on the federal level is, is lower. That's why people, bring the criminal trial first before they bring the civil trial. They want the guy to get convicted, and then they can, you know, get all the money out of him because they already know he's guilty. Right. Okay. So they sued the theater chain, and the state case was about to conclude, and the judge in the state case mm-hmm. went over to the lawyers for the plaintiffs, for the, the people that were shot up, and said that – and this is, of course – he's not allowed to do this. It's completely uh, ex parte. Mm-hmm. He went over to the, the lawyer for the plaintiffs and said, um, I'm going to be ruling in favor of the state. I'm going to be ruling in favor of the defendants, in favor of the theater chain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. And he said – and he went over and he said, look, I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen in, in the next 48 hours. So please, settle. Take a settlement. Take a, mm-hmm. take a settlement. Right. Okay? And so the settlement that got offered, of course, once, once the, the Cinemark knew – that they were going to win, they offered some pittance. Yeah. Uh, 150000 for like 50 people. It was literally going to be nothing. <clears throat> and so they said, all right, well, the most important thing is that they admit guilt and that they do something for safety in theaters. Okay. Because uh, the plaintiffs had brought up, to, paid $22,000 for, for expert witnesses. Mm-hmm. Cinemark paid $500,000 to have their expert witnesses brought in. Yeah, what? they paid half a million dollars and then offered only five hundred thousand as a settlement. So, just goes to show you what mm-hmm. they're willing to do in order to not have to admit culpability. The money's not the issue; it's the guilt thing and the reputation, the PR hit they would have to take. And so, the the plaintiff said, "Okay, we'll take the settlement as long as they admit that they need to, you know, spruce things up." And what didn't come out in the trial was that. The Department of Homeland Security had issued a notice to all theater chains before this took place that theaters were a likely target for terrorist activity and for random gun activity, and they needed to do that, and that was never brought up at the trial. Hmm. Then, so the plaintiffs say, okay, we'll settle. But right before they were going to settle, one person, one person in the plaintiffs who had been horribly injured, she had lost her daughter. Her daughter was killed. Mm-hmm. She 
was pregnant at the time, lost the baby. Wow. And, okay, and she said, I'm not going to settle. No. I won't do wow. it. I won't do it. I won't take the settlement. So the settlement went down to crapper. And the 15 people who remained now, because they lost in Colorado, <laughs> the law states that mm. if you lose in a trial like this, okay, you're responsible for the legal fees for the opponent, which come to $699,000. So the 15 people who lost now have to yeah. now owe Cinemark's legal team 699000 Now, I was reading the article, and they said they're probably not going to make them pay up for it. They're yeah. not going to. They're not going to. Gee, that's that's very nice of them. Mighty white of them. That's mighty white of them. Exactly. But it just goes to show how kind of screwed up the legal system is because, you know, for whatever reason, that information was the, the information that the Department of Homeland Security had issued this warning to all theater chains was not introduced at trial. OK, I don't understand that. That seems to be the single most pertinent thing I could think of. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. In any event, that came up. The F-35 jet project, I have bemoaned this thing for a hundred, you know, a 40-year basically jobs bill for various congressmen, okay? Right. It's $150 billion over budget. However, something happened recently that got me to thinking, okay, yeah, it's terrible boondoggle. This is, this is horrible, but... Unfortunately, the thing is, is when, when the military does stuff like this, they, they sometimes come up with some really, really, really cool ass shit. What, what happened was they did a live missile exercise. This was, uh, White Sands Missile Range. Um, this is just, uh, last week, uh, September 13th. So I've got the, uh, press release from Lockheed Martin. Okay. Right here. Um, two preeminent weapon systems, the F-35 Lightning II, and there's something called the Aegis weapons system and the Aegis system basically um and i really don't know enough about this what it is is it's a global system run from various uh, uh terra firma places or places mm-hmm. on land that have radar the problem with the radar on land is that it can't see past the horizon right okay the f-35 jet project um what they did during the september 12th test an unmodified u.s marine corps f-35b from Marine Operational Test and Evaluation Squadron 1, acted as an elevated sensor and detected an over-the-horizon threat. The F-35B sent the data through the aircraft's multifunction advanced data link, MATL. They, they like to they got, they got to give you know mm-hmm. little acronyms for all this stuff. Um, to a ground station connected to the Aegis weapon system on the USS Desert Ship LLS-1, which is a land-based ship. Okay. I don't understand that terminology. Land-based ship? Uh, I don't know. Land ship? Land shark. Like a land shark? Yeah. yeah. Land-based ship. The target was subsequently engaged and intercepted by a standard missile 6. Now, the thing about the F-35 is that it's stealth, mm-hmm. which means all of its missiles, its ordnance, okay, has to be within the capsule. Uh, it can't be like, you know, when you see those normal jet fighters, they have the missiles hanging down mm-hmm. below yeah. The wing. You can't do that on this because that would make it visible to radar. The idea right. is for the jet to be invisible. It's smooth. To in, yes, smooth and also the surface, so you can't mm-hmm. have that. So the big beef against the F-35 is that it doesn't carry enough ordnance. Okay? Okay. All right? What's the point of having this it's great inor- jet if it can't an, fucking an, destroy it? inordinate. Yeah, you can't, you can't <laughs> destroy what it's, go, what it's flying over. What these guys have done now is they're using it as a high-flying, basically an extra 
weapons system. And because they can keep it in those weapons inside, okay, mm-hmm. nobody can see it. So when they detect it from over the horizon, they can send it back to someplace else. The missile, this uh, was the, the missile is a, uh, hang on, a standard missile six. It's a big ass fucking missile. The problem that um, the military has faced is that the missile can hit a target further away than their radar okay. can read. And now with the jet, the missile can actually get pinpoint targeting system. Now, in the long run, 50 years from now, this is, this is the start of something that's going to make it easier okay, for us to be able to pinpoint stuff around the world okay, mm-hmm. and accurately have – because you can only put so much informational gathering uh, ability on a mobile – on anything that's mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's a boat, car, tank, plane, whatever. There's only so much. It has to transfer and request information from a central data processing place with a massive CPU, one of these you know, places that's underground with 50,000 mm-hmm. computers. And we can now do that. They proved that they did. They've done one test and it was successful. Do I like the fact that they've spent $150 billion to get there? Not so much. <laughs> Not so much. As you pointed nice out, what were you, what were you saying to me before? Yeah, because people – People uh, and and I've been hearing that all my life that oh the military is great you know a lot of a lot of the uh, inventions and innovations that we and have it's true. Are, are there, yeah because we dedicate so many resources to the military let's give some peaceful scientists that uh, same amount of money and see what kind of uh, stuff they come up with like maybe how to grow some food a little bit better well we actually yeah. do that let me tell you something when it comes to growing food mm-hmm. okay we we do that we have always same thing with drugs we have managed. To figure out as a species how to make as much of whatever we need. Yeah. We really we, do. But still there are issues in the world. I agree 100%. Let's throw some money at some of that instead of the the, uh, hey, look, the people that we hire to kill other people industry. Look, I think, imagine where we'd be right now if we'd taken that $150 billion in cost overruns for the F-35 jet project mm-hmm. and given it to Elon Musk. Right. We'd have electronic car. Everybody, everybody, electric, everybody would have one. Electronic car. We wouldn't need gas anymore. Mm-hmm. $150 billion, Just invest that. Mm-hmm. Think of it as, think of it as investment capital. It's investment right. capital. But no, you can't have any. You're right. I can't. Okay. Uh, what else did I write down here? I wrote down that is Ben Affleck the new Clint Eastwood? Okay. I like his politics better. Anyway. I do. I do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Clint Eastwood's an old codger. You know. I look. I love westerns. I love Clint Eastwood movies. I do. I've always have. You know. And I really like that that movie he made called uh, Get Off My Lawn, You Gooks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but at the end of the movie, you know what? You know what the thing yeah, about no. that? At the end of the movie, that whole movie was about the lawn. You know, they should have called it "Get Off My Lawn." Get off my lawn, because <laughs> yeah, that's what it, he, That's how it ended. No, not the end of spoiler the movie, alert. What did he do? Spoiler alert! He went and stood on somebody else's lawn, and he took the bullet so yeah. that. He no, could, I know, right? No, it's know? a wonderful movie. It was a beautiful movie, okay. hysterical. Ben Affleck has now. He is as a director. He's done Fargo, The Town, and Gone Baby Gone. Mm. He is coming out, and there's a new movie coming out. Um, in October called The Accountant that he stars in. And then next year, in January of 2017, he uh, has a movie that he wrote, directed, and co-produced called Live by Night, or Live mm-hmm. by Night, excuse me, Live by Night. And it takes it's a crime movie. It was a crime novel that did very well. Um, it takes place during uh, Prohibition. Yeah. Right? He's getting good at this shit. He's getting good. Gone, baby, gone. Fargo, first... Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, 
you know, Argo, Argo, not Fargo, Argo, you know, Argo, fuck yourself. But that movie and The Town, those, these are good movies. And he's still relatively young, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that Ben Affleck is going to wind up being, you know, if he isn't already, but keep an eye on that. That's what I'm just saying. He's going to be the new Clint Eastwood. He's going to be that All right. good. I'll keep an eye on it. And with better politics. <clears throat> uh, one other thing I read. I'm just putting this out there. This is one of those things that I, I like to do. Um, a An essay, a long piece came out called Problems Unsolved and a Nation Divided. This came out uh, September 2016. Uh, the state of U.S. competitiveness, including findings from the Harvard Business School's 2006 – uh, 16 surveys on U.S. competitiveness. Okay, first things first, not a beach read. Not okay. a beach read. And I'm not going to go into it uh, on the show. It was written by four economists um, and, uh, well, three economists and one uh, political science economist type guy. And it's some interesting stuff. It's long. It's drawn out. It's called Problems Unsolved and a Nation Divided. It's brand new. Okay. And it's worth reading if you can stomach you know, if you can do it without having, because I got about ten pages in, and I could feel the throbbing in my head. <laughs> you know, you know, it's just it's it's a tough read. Okay, and All I right. get into this shit, and it's a tough read, but uh, it's worth it. Um, if you want to find out what people are thinking um, from the brainiac thing, you know, I was, that was the one thing I thought. You know, there's always this talk about goddamn northeastern Ivy League elitists. The fuck <laughs> you think Trump is? <laughs> Right? Well, not Ivy League. Sure, he went to Wharton. Did he? Oh, okay. I didn't, know that. I didn't know that. You know, Wharton School of Business, best yes. business school in America. Stupid man. Oh, well, he went there. He did. He went there. Uh, how he, how well he did there and yeah. how he managed to get in, that's another thing entirely. But you know. that's a, That was one of the things that came up. Apparently, he exaggerated that. Exaggerated? He, he visited. I think he went for like half a semester or something. Well, yeah, He didn't I, graduate. He didn't graduate. Yeah, well, okay. Well, in any event, there you go. So... um that was out there. I thought – I really think that that's one of those – you know, nobody's going to read it. Nobody reads this kind of stuff. I downloaded it as a PDF file because I am going to read it. Um, but I just can't read it all at once because I just – you know, you just start reaching for the jack. Man, you have to keep a <laughs> bottle of jack. Yeah, if you read it, keep a keep at least a fifth, at least a fifth of jack right there. No glass, no ice, no mixer. You're drinking mm. – you're, you're going – you're going Keith Richards right out of how I like it, it anyway. Yeah, right, exactly. Why? And just put a straw in that bottle. Just put a, a straw. See yeah. uh, the the line from Auntie Mame where the, the the guy comes in and Auntie Mame is uh, getting dressed, and so you know the, the nephew is down. So he's like some kid, and, she, and he goes, "Well, would you like a martini?" And the guy mm-hmm. says, "You know how to make a martini?" He goes, "Of course." <laughs> and the guy goes, "Well." Great. Uh, I'd like a martini and uh, with two olives. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. Auntie Mame says an olive is much too big to be put into such a small glass. <laughs> Professional Fine. drinking at its finest right there. Hey, lots more stuff to get to. After the next set, we're going to be talking about pot, baby. We're going to get down. Right. We keep the groove growing. Little Dave Edmonds on the Groove of Don on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
This is Mission Control. We have clearance on 2-9 for shuttle pre-launch checks. Over. Trans Delta 6, you are cleared to descend to 15,000 and hold until further notice. Over. There's a high-pressure front moving in over Denver. Low of 56 in the valley, a high of 72 at the beaches. Uh, the Supremes really hit the top of the charts with this really big one in the 60s. Baby love.
me see. We're, wow, we're, thunder and lightning. Yeah, thunder and lightning. We're trying to figure out how to get my computer. We just hate our browsers. Everybody hates our browsers now. I can't just think. Okay, well, you know what? I don't even care about that anymore. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna have to wing it. You're gonna have to wing I'm it. I'm gonna have to wing it. My life is real. Talk call. from your head. Sexplosion from the album Sexplosion, 1991. One of my favorites. Before that, yeah, the Supremes, baby. Baby that love. Was, that was very funny. The yeah, you like that one? Yes, I do. Tell you something about that. The Supremes, you know, the uh, that was from 1964. And um, the instruments on that, all, all the stuff for the Motown stuff done by the Funk Brothers, of course. The Supremes had more number one 45s for the Motown label than anybody else. They are the number one. They had 12 of them. Uh, Stevie Wonder, I think, had 10. But Supremes, 12 number one singles for... Uh, uh, for Motown, okay. So for that airplane, yeah, can't go wrong. If you don't, no. if you don't think airplanes funny, then I'm not sure I could be friends with you. You know, kids these days, they don't get it. They don't know. They it's really- okay. It's okay. I was just talking to a friend who's a teacher, and uh, he said the future is doomed. We're doomed. <laughs> so before that, Maceo and the Max, of course, Maceo Parker doing Soul Power '74. That was originally uh, James Brown's song um, when he came out with it. It was like a three part. Uh, it was like a three-part single. It was like three separate singles, 12 minutes long. So he came out with that uh, in 71. And then Maceo and the Max came out with kind of their redoing of it um, in 74 with basically the horns. And Maceo Parker and Fred Wesley and people like that. It's great stuff. You can never find it. I have. It's great. Kicking off the set. Dave Edmonds crawling from the wreckage. Uh, let me see. What, what's that from? Repeat When Necessary came out in 79. That was my high school, so. That's how mm-hmm. I remember that stuff. All right, Pot, you ready? Ready. Okay. This is the stuff I was having problems pulling up. I'm going to see if I can do it again, but I'm not going to be able to. The headline on this one was uh, it's from the United Press International, UPI. Congress could be changing its tune on marijuana. Okay. And this is um, – so see, now I can't pull up the goddamn thing. Okay. Uh, was it? This is the year the issue crests, said Oregon Democratic – Representative Earl Blumenauer, a longtime advocate for legalization. When several or more of these pass, the floodgates will open. When the, by these, he means uh, the other states. There's a bunch of states. Mm. Nine of them are uh, have it on the ballot uh, this November. And I think uh, five is for – four for recreational, five for medicinal. Okay. Okay. And so – there's a guy named Sabat who is the Obama administration's drug policy consultant. And he said – last name is Sabat, S-A-B-E-T. He said uh, – It's Spock's father. Yeah, this is Spock's father. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Geek Central, ladies and germs. Thank you. Uh, he said that proponents like to focus on the medical, ma- medical argument because that's an easier sell. In reality, he said businesses and the well-financed lobbyists that represent them are looking for a bigger market – that includes recreational users. This isn't about medical marijuana, he said. It's about money. Nice to see these guys jumping on wow. my bandwagon. <laughs> what did I say? That that all these people who wanted to get legal, you know, mm-hmm. nothing you can't make this legal until a herd of of lobbyists and lawyers go up to uh fucking Capitol Hill. Yeah. Because when you make something legal, what's the first well, you've got to have tax guidelines. Sure. You're going to have to have uh, legislation on how to regulate it properly, mm-hmm. who can and can't do it, who gets to make that decision. Well, the people who go up to Capitol Hill, it's that the commuters who commute between mm-hmm. K Street and Capitol Hill, that, that, that little commuter line right there between the lobbyists and the uh, you know the politicians. And, of course, you know, 
who who owns politicians. The lobbyists own the politicians. Right. So they go up there with a lot of money. Okay, and that's what it's all about. And he says, I wrote down that, um, you know, the interesting thing was is that as – this is the part I was trying to find because the headline uh, that I read here was uh, – let me see. Let me find it again. Crime rates are soaring in Seattle and Denver. Is marijuana to blame? Mm. Um, when I lived out in Hawaii, um, people who grew pot out there weren't worried about cops okay police what police was not that that wasn't a source of concern the concern was rippers people were going to steal i thought you were going to say vampires but okay what's a ripper a ripper's person who steals weed they go they they rip you off they're rippers they're known as and they've gotten um you know organized okay and they will scope out a big grow the rippers. The rippers. They scope it out. Yeah. They, they know their thing. And then they wait for mm-hmm. that one time, right as it's about to be harvested. Mm-hmm. They keep an eye on it. And then they go in one night and they rip off all the plants. Wow. And that happens a lot. And there's a, you know, the, when, when stuff started to go legal, um, the DEA, you know, when basically the DEA was supposed to stay hands off in states where it had become legal. Okay. Okay. But they didn't, even though they were supposed to. And they kept doing it right up until a federal judge told them they couldn't do it anymore. And I had written a while ago that uh, we – I wrote, we've passed the point of no return. There are simply too many people who depend on the narco-industrial complex to put food on their tables. Sure, crime still pays. Always has. Always will. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, so does fighting crime. When the Nixon administration – decided to replace the war on poverty with the war on drugs. He gave us the spawn of a jackal and paved the way for his rise to power. After 42 years, the DEA is like Damien at the end of the Omen Part 2, aware of the power he was granted and thirsty for more. That's the DEA is. There is, um, I wrote this down somewhere. I just can't remember where I wrote it. When I lived out in Hawaii, this is an interesting story. I met this guy, um, Big John, and mm. ex-military, and he's called Big John for reasons. Big, big guy, big guy. Always wore a bandana, and out there, people, you know, the thing that I think most people who want marijuana to be legalized on a national level don't really get is that once you legalize it, and anybody is allowed to grow, let's say, a certain number of plants on their property, mm-hmm. anybody can, and every, and okay. everybody will. Everybody will grow pot. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you grow pot if it was legal? The only reason that you wouldn't is because you were afraid of getting ripped off. That's really the only thing stopping you. Because once the cops are gone, now it's just thieves. Well, I might change my whole uh, opinion of houseplants That's if that happens. <laughs> yeah. So talk about having a green thumb. <clears throat> and when I was out there, I met this guy. I, I had been out there a couple of months maybe. And I didn't really know the lay of the land in mm-hmm. the Big Island yet. And he was – there was a story out regarding this guy and I finally met him and he confirmed it. He had grown on his property and this is a guy who had gotten into some action. He had won a lawsuit so he, he got a bunch of money so he had like very nice property, nice house. He had um, the nice truck, the car, he had the boat, mm-hmm. he had a couple of ATVs you know, and stuff like that and he had two very nice pot plants mm-hmm. that he had grown during the long season which is the summer season. So they grow to light 
These are big plants. Mm-hmm. They're big. When I say big, right. I mean big. Eight, nine footers. And he had two of them. Two okay. Two of them. And it was harvest time. And he, this is a guy who would always go down there. The, the bar in town was called the Lava Tube. Mm-hmm. And so he would go down and always have beers and stuff. And he went back home one night and somebody had gone onto his property and chopped them right down. Just literally gone, wow. chopped them down, taking them off. Because he was within days of harvesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. John, being a you know military man, 20 years in the service, law-abiding citizen, pays his taxes, has insurance on all of his vehicles and mm-hmm. has home insurance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Five, called the police mm-hmm. and said, my pot plants were stolen. Then he called his insurance company, his home insurance company. Wow. Yes. And guess what they did? What? They paid him. They paid him. Wow. They paid him. They paid him $800, which is far less than what the plants were worth. Sure. Okay, the plants were worth well, way something. More. But <laughs> they gave him $800 a plant for his two plants on an insurance payout. Now, That's great. <laughs> I'd never heard of a story like that before. <laughs> no. I had never... And everybody around there was like, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. What's your problem? He's got a blue card. What's your problem? You just well, file your claim. Yeah. You, you do a police report, then you file your claim. Um, <clears throat> tons and tons of bills. I actually wrote years ago, um, back when uh, the Time Magazine wrote an article, and they were talking about, you know, is pot going to be, you know, the next thing coming up? Because it's all about, you know... They, they want to talk about how the, the tax money is going to be great for states, stuff mm. like that. And, you know, we're not going to know uh, the consequences of legalized pot for years to come. We're not going right. to know it for years. It's going to take ages for it to happen. And, and all too often what people like Bill Maher, Jesse Ventura, as, mm-hmm. as an example, is another one. Um, what these people focus on is the benefit to the individual. And they don't look at the uh, opportunity cost to the collective they, they, you know, because it's all focused on this one person. So and so was so sick, and then he smoked marijuana, got better. Fantastic, mm-hmm. it's great. Or the oil, yeah, the oil, great, fantastic, whatever, great. But, um, what back when uh, the the Congress was first starting to kind of, you know, whisper about legalizing marijuana to some degree because of the financial benefits, the tax benefits. I wrote down, I said, at some point now, um, the the tune around uh, the halls of Congress is going to be, don't bogart that legislation, my friend. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, in 2014, Democrat uh, guy named Farr, F-A-R-R from California, he signed on as a co-sponsor to a bill. Um and basically, the way these things happen is you can't just have a marijuana bill. You have to attach it to something. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it will never, ever pass. And he said he was sitting on the House floor watching the vote tally when he realized that the medical marijuana amendment to the appropriations bill was about to pass. Mm-hmm. And he said, at first, I thought it was all a mistake. Did people realize what they were voting on? Was it some other bill? Okay. <laughs> the amendment did pass. It passed 219 to 189. It remained in the omnibus bill. That passed both houses in Congress and was signed into law by the president. Ah, here it is. I wrote this down. The Drug Enforcement Administration ignored the amendment and continued to prosecute patients and providers in California until a federal right. court ordered it to stop. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Incredible, huh? Mm-hmm. You know? It's like we we didn't even give a shit. Right. The you know, they, they don't care. It's like, oh, go <sighs> fuck yourself with a DEA. Yeah. 
Okay, but <clears throat> this is how they're getting stuff. To, they're they're attaching it, to, you know, to these Christmas tree bills. You know, the the spending bill, omnibus bills, stuff like that. Okay, mm-hmm. those are known as Christmas tree bills because they have to be passed in order for the government to work. So people will throw on all these little things and hope that they go through because the bill it's the, the the bulk of the bill. Nobody wants to do anything individually anymore. Can't be done anymore. Wow. All right. Um, the crime rate soaring. Um, based on the data from Seattle Police Department, property crime rates within Seattle, uh, for example, burglary, motor vehicle theft, and larceny, have been rising at a precipitous pace since since possessing an ounce or less of marijuana became legal on December 6, 2012. In 2012, the number of property crimes documented by the Seattle Police Department was a little over 32,000. By 2013, the number of property crimes... Crime reports rose to 36,815. Last year, it jumped to more than 40,000. Over 40,000. 40,666. I like that 666. Incidents. All told, property... um, uh, Let me see. All told, property crimes have jumped by more than a quarter, more than 25% in the two years following the legalization of marijuana, with motor vehicle theft witnessing the biggest uh, increase, up more than 50% in two years. 50%. And, um, you know, the question that this guy writes, he goes, and the person who wrote this, he wrote, is marijuana responsible for the rising crime rates in both major cities? It's plausible for sure, but correlation does not equal causation, to which I wrote, post hoc ergo proctor hoc my ass, <laughs> okay? Because basically post hoc ergo proctor hoc is one of those legal terms, after, therefore, because of it. Because when, when something ha- because when one thing follows another, it was necessarily caused by the initial thing. Okay. But that is very rarely. In- it's a fallacy. It's not, in fact, true. It, it's been used legally, but it's, it's, a, it's a bunch of bullshit. However, in this case. Yeah. 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 We're going to have a problem here. Okay. Before, you know, and look, you're talking to somebody who would love it. To be legal, I think it'd, I think it'd be good, but when you make something legal, at that point you're going to start bringing in corporations in. I've said this yeah. on numerous occasions. <clears throat> Nobody wants to take a look at the downside of pot unless they're t- looking at it from a morals point of view. Those the, mm-hmm. the, the anti-pot people are all the moral people, the moral and ethical. So they say. So they say, but yeah, that's they buying. base their arguments okay on their morals, their ethics, and I understand that. You know. It's obviously bullshit. The pot's the gateway drug. Alcohol's the gateway drug. You fucking idiots. Okay, everybody right. knows. Spinning in circles when you're a little kid. Yeah, when That's you're a little kid. Oh, look at that. Huffing amyl nitrate. Holding I used to your be, breath. I used to be able to go to uh, fucking you know the little the head shops around the corner from school and get. It was called Rush. It's amyl nitrate. Really, alcohol. There are ads everywhere. It's on the TV. Everyone has a drink in their hand. Everyone's beer. It's celebrated. It's ubiquitous. Um, it is, of it's, course, and so it's a, it's hypocritical. It's socially acceptable to get a buzz on, but not with that. But not with, not that. with that. And of course, you know, there's there's this other drug. Some plants about to be uh, outlawed. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, the the uh, CDC or mm-hmm. uh, not CDC, the uh, um, agricultural people and the DEA and all these people that do you know that that, that classify mm-hmm. drugs say that they're going to make it illegal because it is it it basically has the same effect as opiates. And I'm like, well, how come, you know, I don't understand. You're making a natural plant illegal because it has the same effect as something that's sold by pharmaceutical companies. Sure. They don't want drugs to be illegal. They want other people's drugs to be illegal. You know, I've never encountered anybody growing an opium poppy. Yes, I have. I have pictures of it. Yeah, out in Hawaii. 
Okay. Yeah, I knew people. My next door neighbors were growing poppy plants and coca plants. It's the only place in America you can do it. <clears throat> and they were growing both. They, you can't grow. You want to know? You want to know how liberal my? You want to know how liberal my my town was out there? They grew these how poppy plants in the front yard. Their front yard. Well, because who would know? That's that's exactly yeah. what they told me. What is There's that? Two a brothers. Fig? <laughs> two brothers. They're like, who's going to know? Right. Who's going to spot it? And, you know, it's like on a main drag, too. Mm. It's literally on the main drag going yeah. down to town. They got poppy plants in the front Coping. yard. Coca, coca plants. I got pictures. Yeah, you can I have my you. portion, though. <laughs> <laughs> a nice conversation piece. Well, he started it out. He was, they, were, they were really trying to see if they could get a business going with that. I was like, you guys are out of your fucking mind. Do you know how, how big a poppy field you have to have in order to make a business? Which they realized eventually, and so they stopped doing it. They got nowhere, you know, but they grew them. And mm. it looked, you know, like seeing Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, so I was like, holy shit, that's what it looks like. He's like, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. When it comes to pot, please, I beg of everybody, keep in mind, don't be so distracted that we don't notice when somebody's making the situation worse. If you legalize pot federally, you're going to bring a whole bunch of people into the game that you really hate, that we all hate. You want Monsanto running your seed supply? Especially now that they could be bought out by Bayer. <clears throat> The Bayer Corporation yes. is trying to buy it. Everybody remember who Dr. Bayer is? Yeah. We Let me tell you who he is. You know what he invented? Alka-Seltzer. Um, no, 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 no. Um, when you try and get off heroin, you take... Oh, uh, methadone. Methadone. He invented methadone. Oh, what a nice Dr. Fellow. Bayer invented methadone as a way to... For the troops. He tested it on the Jews. No, he te- no. <laughs> they tested it on themselves. Okay. This was used for, mm. for German troops... To ease pain because they couldn't afford heroin. They couldn't afford the opium, so he invented a cheaper form of it. That's Very Dr. Bayer. And we're about, you know, there's a chance that Monsanto could be owned by these people. And if you legalize pot, you're going to have a crop that is mm. going to be susceptible to disease, which means Monsanto is going to figure out a way to have a seed supply that only their seeds, okay, repel the various diseases. Do you really want Monsanto controlling your sour diesel no, seed supply? No, no, thank you. No, thank you. How about RJ? But we need to we need to we need to address that that whole I own the patent on seeds business. That 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 shit seed needs hoarding. To be, yeah, yeah. Seed hoarding bad. Seed away. hoarding bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we used to call them uh, strain hoarders. Yeah, you know we're going to hoard the strain and stuff. We don't want anybody else to get it. Go fuck yourself. We need to correct that. Yeah. You know, and as I said when I wrote, you know, my thing uh, against legalizing pot nationally, mm. period, okay, I said, you legalize pot, it brings up this very interesting clash of the titans, corporations mm. versus cartels. What world are you living in where you think yeah. the cartels are just going to say, ah, okay, I'll go in now. 50% of their, 50%, 50%, of their income comes from pot. There are entire regions down there that are nothing but pot growing regions, completely lawless. Completely and utterly lawless, and they grow pot. Are you? Do you really think they're just going to stop? No. I don't. I don't think they're going to stop. No. But you know what they are going to do? Once they realize they can do it legally here, they're going to take their billions of dollars, and they're going to come up here, mm-hmm. and they're going to grow it up here. Right. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Okay. All it takes is money, baby. And if there's anybody who's got loose cash laying around, it's the catch from Michoacan, baby. Those guys got billions in their sock drawer. Sure, they're shrimp dick sociopaths. <laughs> but when you have a business decision... The first and last question that is always asked is, how much is it going to cost? Right. Well, when you've got a billion dollars in your sock drawer, you don't give a fuck what it's going to cost. Why, why get out of an industry that, that has been opened up to increased competition when you can simply outbid and out-intimidate any potential competition? Do you really think that all of a sudden 
they're going to be nice guys and they won't fucking send a team of 15-year-old Sicarios up here to air out some congressman's house. Of course they will. They'll just gun the place down. Mm -hmm. You're opening up the door to every criminal in the world. If you want it to be legal, you know, what you need to do is say, sure, it can be legal, but nobody is allowed to grow more than 10 plants. No individual or entity can grow. You want to grow it? Grow for yourself. There you go. Grow for yourself. But no corporation can grow it. And you can grow up to 10 plants, and you are allowed to sell no more than an ounce right. at a time. And there's, an there's another thing. They, they approach that. Take the, uh, and that you takes can, the IRS out of it. You can have it, you can have it but you can't, you can't sell it. You can say that. You can have it, but you can't sell it. Sure. That's fine. <clears> but <throat> one, yeah, and, that, and that's the other thing. Oh, you know what? If we, if we legalize marijuana, we'll, we won't have to spend all that money that the DEA does on eradication and locking people up and incarcerating them. Mm-hmm. You know, all these tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in jail right now on yeah. fucking bullshit pot charges. You know, if you're in the suburbs, you don't go to jail. But if you're in the ghetto, you go to jail. Same pot charge, mm-hmm. same pot, same amount, same everything. One guy does five years. Another guy does five months of probation and community service. Mm-hmm. That's the difference in our country right now. Okay? Because the law system doesn't work. Equally to all is the fantasy when applying the law. In the real world in which I live, that's mm-hmm. very seldom the case. Okay? So all these people who think, oh, guess what? Now the DEA and the government won't be spending all that money around getting pot. You're right. They won't. You know where they're going to be spending that money? IRS. Yeah. Law. Department of Justice. State. Yeah. And the states are going to have a field day with corruption. The states will be able to go buck wild. Those little, as I spoke about with Alvin Jackson, the, the Petri dishes of, of, of governmental corruption, mm-hmm. those are all those little things you know, that happen on the state and county level. That's where the corruption starts, and they will go buck fucking wild with this. It will be a money train, a money fucking train. Before you start screaming how you want legalized pot in the nation, think about the long-term implications of having an industry like that suddenly made legal okay good point it could be you know don't don't miss the forest for the trees baby and don't you know where the other way around don't miss either of them see the trees see the forest see the whole fucking country man qui bono macro who benefits big time who benefits big picture we don't know how this is going to be but i do know one thing the people that are heavily invested in it right now they're mm-hmm. gonna go away just because you tell them they are, you know, they have to. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're not, they're not little boys anymore. Okay, the, the rackets, okay, during prohibition, that's mm-hmm. like a mom-pa operation compared to what these guys right. down there are doing now. These guys and nobody, just to be clear on this, just to, to my final thing, nobody, nobody is in a better position to hit the ground running on day one. Mm-hmm. Than the cartels, <clears throat> they have the two things that matter the most: unlimited amount of money and vast years of experience of growing pot on an industrial scale. They are yeah. ready to go. They day one, day mm-hmm. one, all they need is land, sure, or a fact or big warehouses, mm-hmm. and then they got and and somebody to front for them who's legal. Yeah. And you know, you think you're not going to be able to find that? All that takes is money. Yeah. Maybe takes. maybe somebody that's already got a corporation. Yeah, right. Yeah, you think, yeah, won't it? That's the other thing I said. It's, it's going to be very interesting when you have, you know, you want to try and do this after Chapo Guzman gets a chance to sit down and talk with the CEO of Pfizer at some GOP fundraiser during the dessert course. How you think that's going to work out, huh? Right. That'll be just fabulous. Okay, I got that out of my system. I really had more to say, but I couldn't pull the shit up on the computer, and that pisses me off. But there are a lot of. 
You know, just step back. Before you want pot legalized everywhere, you know, let the states do it. Okay? Mm -hmm. And let's hope that the, the DEA lowers its classification, stops locking up people because, you know, they're getting financed by the private prison industry. So the more crimes that get committed, you know, you know, the private prison industry, their stock price, these are publicly held companies. Mm -hmm. Their stock prices go up and down depending on the percentage of beds filled. Right. Right. right? 94% filled, the price goes down, 97, price goes up. Mm -hmm. So this, you know, what they want is more people locked up. That's their goal. Right. That's their business yeah. fucking model. That's their business model. And they invest money in the and pursuit they, of that. Huge <clears throat> amounts of sure. money. Huge. And then when they get busted, you know what they do? They do exact they, – they do – and this is where the cartels will learn mm -hmm. because these companies – I can't remember what the name of it was. It was a private prison industry, mm -hmm. security industry, got like indicted and had to pay huge amounts of fines. You know what they did? They changed their name. Oh, yeah. They changed there the name of the corporation. So the Sinaloa cartel okay, isn't going to have a problem getting you know tables at Le Bernardin in New York without a reservation because they're not going to be known as the Sinaloa cartel. You know what they're going to be known as? Stratton Oakmont. That's what they're going to be known sure. as. Sure, that sounds like a country club. Stratton Oakmont. Stratton Oakmont's yeah. the name of the, 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 the law firm from uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. That was okay. the real name of the firm. He changed it, and that was his whole thing. With their rocks, are, you know, this is going to be the name of our firm. That's yeah. what the, the cartels will do. They're just going to change their name. They're still going to be fucking shrimp dick sociopaths. Right. But now everybody's, you know, but they're going to be wearing much nicer suits. You know? It's one thing when... Move when it they, up. Yeah, it's one thing when these guys show up you know, wearing scrubby clothes and unshaven because they're criminals. It's another thing when they show up in a fucking Xenia suit. You know? And yeah. they toss their keys to the guy who's got to valet their car. And they get a table. You know, they get a good table at the restaurant because they've got more fucking money than you. Keep this in mind. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I'll leave you all with this thought. Corporations aren't a threat to the cartels. The cartels are a threat to corporations. And the way you know this for sure, 100%, is that if the corporations thought that they could grow pot legally, okay, and mm. make tons of money on it without having the cart without having the cartels, you know, mm. come at them. It'd be done already. Right. It would have already been done if the corporations really wanted pot to be legal and thought they could do it. It would have been so because everything they want happens because they own government. Mm. That's in a simple thing. So before you you go out there and think, you know, want pot to be legalized, remember. Remember who you're bringing into the mix, okay? We will become a nation of pot growers because anybody can grow pot. It's a weed, motherfucker. Right. It's a weed. It will grow anywhere. All right. Got some more stuff here. We're going to clear our throats. <laughs> Let me clear my throat. We're going to clear our throats for a little while. Come back. We're going to, yeah, we're going to talk Trump. We're going to talk the dividing up of America. We're going to talk about that stuff. But we kick it back off. Yeah, a little more groove for you. Andy Partridge on the Groove of Don on SoFloRadio.com. <laughs>
heading straight for the sun. I've seen enough, Bob. Give me Steve McCroskey and fast. McCroskey hasn't handled a tower since the strike. Ever since Reagan fired the controllers, he's been completely senile. Yeah, but what about McCroskey? Pretty much the same as Reagan. I don't care. Get him!
Grump Dillicious, baby. We love Stevie Wonder. How can you not like that? Man? Yes, we do. Boogie on Reggae Woman from Fulfilling This's first finale came out in 1974. I was telling George here, yeah, we we both both love Stevie Wonder. Yeah, we love Stevie yeah. Wonder. Um, on that album, on that particular song, Boogie on Reggae Woman, Stevie Wonder plays every single instrument on that track, except for the congas, which are done by a guy named Richie Zizorno. Zizorno, excuse me. Okay, and, you know, I, I took a look. I was like, let me see if I get this straight. He played every instrument but one. Why did he bring in this guy? So I took a look up. You know, I wanted to look the guy up because, you know, I do the homework, so you don't have to right here. Baby. Right. You know that. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to turn you on to something. This guy, Rich, uh, Rocky Zizorno, okay, um, has an interesting uh, history. He was born in Ghana. He escaped poverty by uh, stowing away on a boat for weeks um, with hardly any food or water and made his way to England um, where he was discovered by a producer named Jimmy Miller who brought him into work with the Rolling Stones. The drummer for the band War is a guy named uh, Harold Brown. And Harold Brown said that he was a prime influence on his own drumming and also credits him with teaching Ginger Baker, hmm. okay, of all people, how to, you know, get that proper sound, that conga sound, stuff like that. And there was a critic named Ned Sublette who wrote that uh, the addition of his conga drumming on the song Sympathy for the Devil transformed the song from, a from quote, a dirge. A dull one at that, and made it come alive. <laughs> you know, that's funny. He continued playing uh, with them through '68 on tracks like "Stray Cat Blues," "Factory Girl," "You Can't Always Get What You Want." Participated in the same era in the Rock and Roll Circus event. They used him again in "Can't You Hear Me Knocking." Um, you know, so it's interesting stuff, man. And Stevie Wonder brought him in, and he's played uh, a lot on that particular album. It's great. You take a look at the uh, lineup. On that album, he did Jackson 5, do background vocals. They do mm. all that stuff. So it's pretty cool shit. Before that, a song um, that I hadn't heard <coughs> in years um, called Losing My Edge by LCD Sound System. Now, that originally came out as a 12-inch a standalone. It came out uh, 2002. Okay. 2002. Um, and I'll tell you, that song, you know what it made me think of? Um, the Tubes, the end of the Tubes song, White mm. Punk's on Dope. Mm. You can't have that, but you can't have this. A Mazda, a new Monza, you know, a baby's arm holding an apple, all that stuff. And so I started thinking about that. I discovered that song um, because I like to go out in quest of other online radio shows that, you know, might be similar to mine. I'm looking for shows mm. that, that play a wide swath. And I found a couple. Um, and, you know, I'm not a, a seed – I'm not a, a strain hoarder. Yeah. I'm not a music <laughs> hoarder. Okay? You know, good good shows are good shows. There were a couple that I spotted on uh, station WFDU, which you can get online. And it's the radio station from uh, Fairleigh Dickinson University. Okay. Or as we used to call it in New York, Fairleigh Ridiculous University. Said the – like I told you, said, said the guy who got – who flunked out of uh, – University of Vermont. Okay. <laughs> there were a couple of shows, though, on that uh, station that stood out to me. And I heard this song and I was like, wow, man, I should play that. And the two shows that stood out to me, you want to mark this down. One is called um, The Thursday. This is the show that really stood out. Uh, the Thursday Night Show with a guy named Sean McGann. It's on uh, WFDU Thursday nights from 6 to 10. You can get it online. Just go to FDU, I think it's FDU.org or FDU, you know, whatever mm -hmm. whatever it is. You want to check that out. And you can go and listen to the old shows 
like you can, okay, like you can with moi. When you go to mm-hmm. my site, you can listen to any show you want for free, just like with them. Okay, the other show was um, it's called It's So Obvious, and it's on Saturday nights from seven to ten. A guy named John Monroe hosts it. It's more rock, and it's more of a rock influence show. But both of those shows have um, some pretty, you know, there's some good tunes there. They're worth right. listening to. There's some good music. They tell you, they give you the lineup on, you know, on the screen and stuff mm-hmm. as it's playing. So I thought that was pretty cool. And so, you know, hey, man, there's some good stuff out there. Go looking for it. Like, I, you know, as I said, I do the homework so you don't have to. But it's out there, man. It's It's out there. You know, you don't have to listen to, you know, what is it, classic rock and roll, 105.9. Fuck you. How many times can I listen to Radar Love? No more. We need to. Don't need to to go there. It's part of my collection. It comes up, uh, you know, on the random list. Yeah. But, I mean, I I just, you know, I I can't stand it, okay? So, for that, real rock and roll. Rock and roll, just pure purity. Deep purple. Bloodsucker from Deep Purple and Rock in 1970. What a great record. What a great fucking smack your piss out of your song. Yeah, a little more airplane. Get me McCroskey. <laughs> you know, Reagan's gone. Yeah. You know, he went he went crazy after he got rid of the... Uh, and I think, but what about McCroskey? Same as Reagan. <laughs> so I thought that was good. Before that, there's an interesting tune. Black Skin Blue-Eyed Boys uh, by a band called The Equals from uh, their... I think it was their first release, The Equals on Top, came out in 1970. Here's an interesting thing. The front man for that band was Eddie Grant. You're going to rock down to Electric Avenue. Yeah, that Eddie Grant. He is the guitar player and front man for that band, The Equals. Really one of the first kind of uh, multiracial bands. Okay. You know, um, people from all over. They had like a, two people from England, one one from Africa, one from Jamaica. You know, but they put out some some pretty good music and kicking off the set. Somebody I know you like, Andy Partridge, mm-hmm. Sonic Boom. That is from uh, you know Andy Partridge, the uh, frontman for XTC, right? And he came out with a series of records called Fuzzy Warbles, and he's got volumes one through eight. So that song, Sonic Boom, is from volume seven that came out in uh, two thousand and six. Fuzzy Warbles, mm-hmm. just a little bit more, just. We can't get enough. No. Oh, Clockwork Orange? Fuzzy Warbles. <laughs> oh, you want me to do the thing? Do the thing. Do the, <laughs> do the thing. So what do you got to play your Fuzzy Warbles on? Some pitiful, portable picnic player? Ah. Come with uncle and hear all proper. Hear angel trumpets and devil trombones. You are invited. <laughs> there you go, baby. And I should have queued up by the William Tell overture because that's, that's, <laughs> right. that's oh, when yeah. they cue the music. That's it. That's right. You're right. going to have that there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's the next line. You are invited. Then they... Go right, into, right the, into the scene, right. The overture, right. Yeah. yeah. And then they, yeah, they're back. Brilliant. They're the back at the apartment, up. right. Yeah, right. yeah. They're the speed <laughs> up. <laughs> I also like the thing that where he opens up the door, he's got the snake. It's Basil. That's it's Basil. Basil, the Basil, snake. Basil, Basil, my snake. <laughs> Basil in his bottom drawer. Yes. Yeah, I always thought that was pretty funny. So, good set right there. All right. Um, This headline caught my uh, caught my eye. And then uh, the other night, somebody mentioned this. Uh, Bill Maher brought it up on mm-hmm. his show. Uh, Kentucky Governor Matt Bevin says bloodshed may be needed to protect conservatism. Yeah. All right. Um, and I wrote down that the us and them, menta- the us and them mentality, uh, partisanship for its own sake, contempt prior to investigation, all of that, in my opinion, is un. 
patriotic and we're yeah. all to blame for it. I, and I said, you know, I just have this sinking feeling that no matter what happens on November the 8th, we're going to be angrier at each other than ever before on November the 9th. Uh, yeah, well, I'm pretty angry, and uh, but trying not to be. I've been trying to ignore it. Exactly. It's hard to reconcile. Well, a uh, things making around, you know, somebody that both you and I like, um, the body. Yes. Jesse, Jesse the body Jesse Ventura. The body. I thought that line I came up with was good, though. That's a very good because line. He is now the body gone, the body gone politic. Yes. He's not the body. Jesse the body politic. Jesse the body politic. So I got a clip from him um, because, you know, there was all this hoopla about Colin Kaepernick and now it's growing. And, Mm. you know, the memes Mm. online are you scumbag, you fuckwad, you this, that. (sighs) So if there's one person who's really got it, you got that thing queued up? You got the, the the Jesse the, the body? Jesse yeah you got that cute no so I'm not to tighten it up later you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna nah you'll find it right now but he had a very interesting thing and I'll tell you before you before you cue that up before you play that I'll 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 do this little thing um, a friend of mine wrote um, a little poem and posted it onto Facebook and this is a person who I have a great deal of respect for um, this person is smart she is on my side. Um, uh, you know, on on the issues I stand with her. And she wrote this. She wrote, just in case he wins the race, can we have a contingency coup in place? Hmm. An emergency plan to save the face of our nation in lieu of devastation. Demand the immediate resignation, his whole administration, not a trace to be heard or seen of what may have occurred in 2016. And so I wrote, okay, because here's the interesting thing. If you read that and replace the word he with she and his with hers, it's what the other people are saying. It's exactly what right. the other side's saying. So I wrote, <coughs> because because I am a snappy, sarcastic motherfucker and couldn't help myself, I wanted to do it in the exact same. It's right. not iambic pentameter, by the way. I, I took a look at it. I'm not sure exactly what the poetic uh, theme is that there's a term for it, but it's not that. So I wrote, it occurs to me and should to thee that the other side feels similarly, though it seems like they'd rather fight than flee. The place of their birth for what they see is patriotic dearth. I would like to suggest, while I admit not at behest, that we set our minds free so that the vitriol we now wean won't be dragged into 2017. So... That was my comeback for her, and we've be, you know we we're getting very angry at people for reasons that I don't think we should. You got the Jesse thing. I do. Okay, you know everybody got bent out of shape on Colin Kaepernick, but I think the, the most prescient statement mm-hmm. I've heard on that or anything else comes from ex-governor uh, Jesse the Body Ventura. So hit me with it, baby. I salute Colin Kaepernick. I fully support him. Fully and completely. That's why I served my country, so that you have the freedom to protest. If we don't like protesting, what's next? I don't have to agree with him, but I'll still respect his right to do it. And everyone should respect that. He shouldn't be booed. And who's he harming? When I was governor of Minnesota, the Dems and Repubs tried to nail me. You know what they did? They passed a law requiring the Pledge of Allegiance for all public school children. I immediately vetoed it. You know why? 
because governments should not mandate patriotism. Governments earn patriotism. You earn that. Who mandated patriotism? The Germans in the 1930s. They mandated patriotism. That's what we want to be. We want to build walls now and be East Berlin. That's the direction of the United States today. I salute Colin Kaepernick for having courage, a man of his convictions, and he's also putting a million dollars, putting his money where his stance is. Good for him. Whether I agree with him or not is irrelevant. There you go. Yeah, baby. man. How you like that? Well, so, no, yeah, that's it. And Nobody's so let's, just, it let's just keep in mind who's making this statement. This is a guy who served his country. He right. stood in uniform. Right. He ran for governor. This is a guy... If you don't know who Jesse is, just go watch the Predator movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) Just watch that movie, That Guy. That guy. Because he's that guy in real life. He is. He he did, he, you know, sure, he didn't fight space aliens, but if there had been a space alien during that time, in that stage in his life, he would have been the guy there with the Vulcan minigun emptying it out on him. He'd have kicked their ass, baby. Yeah. Yeah, You cannot question Jesse's patriotism. Jesse Ventura Mm. just came out with a new book, um, and I'm going to read it and probably criticize a whole bunch of it because I've got the interview that he did. On a morning show, I, I recorded that, and I've been listening to that mm-hmm. in bits and pieces. And it's called Jesse Ventura's Marijuana Manifesto. Now, right. you know, I've already done my thing, and I'm sure yeah. this will inevitably come up later on when I get a chance to read the book. Okay, um, it, just, it literally just came out. It's mm-hmm. in the last within the last month or something like that. But as far as this, he's he's that's bullseye, baby. Yeah, straight yeah. up fucking bullseye, right on the money. He Don't nailed need to it add right anything there. To that, some of the things that I've been you know, that I've been thinking about, um, you know, particularly, you know, I, I was talking to you about this earlier, is that, you know, our country, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, the Harvard study and the paper that came out, you know, about our nation's increasing divisiveness. And I wrote down that war is, is, is profitable. War is very mm-hmm. profitable. Somebody profits from war. Every war makes money for somebody, okay? Yeah. Every conflict... Okay, creates profits for the manufacturers of the weapons used in that conflict. Now, if the conflict is military, then it's the military industrial complex. Mm. But in our case, it's the advertising industrial complex at this point. Right. It's the media industrial complex. It's the social media yeah. industrial complex that is doing it. Okay. But it also makes money for the people who seek to profit nefariously, okay, and need a distraction. Mm. Okay. From their own crimes. Don't look over, you know, don't do that. Okay, weapons of mass destruction. Uh, There was a term called, there was a movie that came out called Weapons of Mass Distraction, Mm -hmm. okay, which is not a very good movie. But I think that what we're dealing with now, you ready for this? You're going to like this. Right. Weapons of mass coercion. Okay. Now, weapons of, who profits the most from increased partisanship? Okay, while we're all looking over here, what are they trying to get with get away with over mm, there? Right. What is you know, what's the don't don't look in the shiny hand. Mm-hmm. They're all magicians. Right, right. It's all about sleight of hand. You know, except it's sleight of hand, it's fucking up our lives. And you know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be starting to look into that. Okay, because somebody's right. making money off of this. There are people out there, no matter what they say, that want the conflict, that like the conflict. Mm-hmm. Okay? Whatever it is, they like it. All the people who never thought they had a voice before, but they can now, you know, they, they, Trump's the perfect example. Mm. He's a guy who never had a voice before, and then what he did 
is he decided he hopped on the birther bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Okay, hopped on that, and now he's got a voice because all those people, you know, he's the rich guy, he's the the successful mm-hmm. guy, you yeah. know. Except he's a New York liberal, right? I'm from New York. The guy's a New York liberal. Mm-hmm. Don't don't. Basically, what he is is he's really a guy who's going to do. He's 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 literally a sycophant. He's the ultimate sycophant. Mm-hmm. He's going to kiss who's ever asked. He's got to kiss in order to get them to laud him. Yeah, and make money. He's he's going to rake money yeah. in. Well, it's all about his popularity. The spy spotted this that uh, in New Hampshire, which is the New Hampshire union leader, which um, has a tradition of supporting the Republican mm-hmm. candidate, did not this year. They're supporting Gary Johnson. It's the first time it's ever happened. Yeah. They've never, ever, 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 ever gone off that line. They're doing it. And in New Hampshire, uh, college-educated voters, Hillary Clinton is up 20%. And I wrote down that the GOP basically got what it wanted. They got... Ignorant, naive, stupid people. That's what they mm. wanted. Trump supporters want to stick it to the man. They want to stick it to yeah. the man. Okay? He's the man. He's the man. Okay, let me tell you something. You know who else wanted to stick it to the man? Mm-hmm. The Hippies. SDS, the right. Weather Underground. Sure. Hippies. Hippies, Dad. Hippies. Yeah, you know who else? Uh, let me guess. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, That's who invented the term the man. Yeah. Hippies and beatniks. Man. Okay. The thing is, is that the difference this time around is that the man that Trump supporters are talking about is the guy with the education. Yeah. It's the smart yeah. people. They're anti- smart people fucked us. Right. That's the, the Smart people fucked us. And they're right. Mm-hmm. Smart yeah. people, with, as you said, though, smart people with bad intentions. Yeah. Evil Not smart all. people. There are evil smart people and there are good smart, good smart people. people. Right. It's like and having I, powers, like mutants, like the X Men. Some use their powers for good, and some use their powers. Sorry, for evil. I haven't gone like full. Men. I'm not full on geek the way you are. Oh well. Okay. Nevertheless, you understand the concept. I do understand the concept. Some people use their powers for bad. And I wrote down that these people don't seem to get it, or, or more likely, they don't want to get it. They're, they're happy in their cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. They, they wallow in it. They're happy in it. Okay, they don't seem to understand that getting smarter. Mm-hmm. Is the only way to avoid getting fucked by other smart people, who right. are evil smart no, people. No, okay, and it's all visceral for a reason mm-hmm. because emotion takes less time and effort to cultivate and harvest than mm-hmm. actual knowledge does. And the reason that the right wing mm-hmm. doesn't want knowledge within its electoral base is because knowledge eviscerates the visceral. Sure. It eviscerates the visceral. Mm -hmm. It stops you from doing that knee-jerk reaction and gets you to, God forbid. Think about Think. God forbid. No. God forbid. No, 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 no. No thinking allowed? We're better than black people. We're better than brown people. And anybody that echoes that sentiment, I'm going to believe anything they say. You know, it's beyond. That's the thing, though. I don't think these people are racist. I think they've been. They are. No. I'm going to tell you something. I've got. I just. Some supporters? I just consider this right now. I'm going to tell you something. I don't think that racism is taught. Racism, okay, sure. Racism is taught. And I think that they have been taught to be racist because they, the people, that the, the evil smart people want them to be that way. Mm-hmm. And so they've, they've fallen into that trap. Mm-hmm. They've fallen into it. I don't think that in their hearts, I don't think anybody, I'd like to believe that nobody in their heart is actually a racist. Racism. Believe it. I, God, I try not to. 
You're not born that way. Nobody's born a no, racist. No, it doesn't matter if you are Nobody or if you Nobody is born aren't. a racist. They're told something that they that over they want, and over again. But they want to believe it, all right? Before you believe something, before you can believe something that isn't true, you've got to want to. You got to wanna, all right? If somebody tells you that your friend did something horrible, you would say, "I don't believe you. That doesn't sound like my friend Bill." Right? right? Yeah. But if there's someone that you don't like and someone says the exact no, same thing, you're like, you know "Yeah. Oh, I totally believe that and I'm going to tell five people right now." That's exact. Be- it's a crime. You got to wanna. You got to wanna believe it. It I, is. I really it smacks of their character the people that believe that horse I shit. lived in Ireland for many, many years. If you do, we were all brought up. I was brought up here in the deep south full of bigotry you know a good person gets over it at after yes. a certain age you're yes. like you know what that was they, a lot of because, horse shit because they learn you bet they think and they have encounters you make up your own mind all right you go you you grow beyond the programming all right and and these people that haven't don't they don't want to this they is don't the, wanna. this is the thing that i spotted when i lived in ireland in the 70s man the troubles that were going on mm-hmm. in northern ireland it was the catholics against the protestants sure. so you had the ira versus the UDR. embarrassing you had the provost you had all that okay mm-hmm. and you had children five six seven year old children throwing rocks mm-hmm. at whomever they thought was wrong and why mm-hmm. did they do that because their parents, their parents told, said sure parents told yeah. them to. and you get no change out good of news is we threw grenades back at those children <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's we'll show them. Well, I'll tell you something. You know, I, I just I, I hate to believe Damn that people have that kind of shits. I'll show you hatred, the hatred in their hearts. Well, you know, where what happened to the better angels? The better angels of our nature. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll yeah. tell you. It's time for me to take care of the people who take care of me. Now, how about that? There are people out there that are good. Okay, I know one of them. Yeah, Dave Carey from Precision Auto Works in Pompano Beach, Florida, doing a great job. Friend just brought it. Another friend of mine just brought her car in there. Mm-hmm. You know, took care of that. Bam, she's happy. Then on the same day she did that, her daughter wrecked her car. Oh no! <laughs> so I was like, "Hey, man, didn't realize I was throwing you quite this." I don't think he's he's not the guy to do the uh, body work. He'll send okay. That. The guy next door will do that. He's, he's like he's got his shop, and right next to him is another guy who's got a shop who's like you know another old time car buff type thing. So it's perfect. You got everything right there. So nine five four two four seven. Nine three six two SAE certified. These guys are the best. I swear by Dave. I tell everybody I won't pop the hood of my car unless he's standing next to me. I just won't do it. I won't fucking do it. It right. really is the place where people who love their cars take their cars. Precision Auto Works. Of course, you can go to the SoFloRadio.com website. Click on the box marked Tony C's SoFlo Groovathon. You'll get my page. And on that page is every show I've ever done available to be downloaded and listened to for free. Right. Every song that's been played on every show is listed above it. At the very top of the page is a very well-written description of the show <laughs> by you. Hey, I did better. You did better. You did, <laughs> you done good, son. You done good. And you will see a link for Precision Auto Works. Click on that site. All the information is there. They're right off of, uh, just off Atlantic, just off 95. It's an easy drive, easy to get to. He's a real easygoing guy. And most importantly, does the job right, and he does it for an incredibly fair price. You know what that means, though? I do. Time for the drive groove, baby. I'm going to redline you. I'm redlining you. There's no question about it. We're going to kick it off with Bruce Bouillet, blind as we watched on the drive groove on SoFloRadio.com.
is rock and roll guitar, baby. That is rock and roll guitar. Rory Gallagher, Moonchild from Calling Card. That one going out to Drew Gaten out there. He's a huge Rory fan. He's, he loves the Irish guitar. He's a Mexican. He loves the Irish guitar players. Rory and, uh, and Gary Moore, man. That's a sex one. That actually, um, you can hear, because I played the Deep Purple earlier, um, the Bloodsuckers earlier. That was from, that album came out in uh, 1970, I think. Uh, Deep Purple and Rock came out like 70, 71. This album came out, uh, Calling Card, uh, Rory Gargoyle's Calling Card came out in 76. And the guitar in that sounds very much like the Richie Blackmore guitar from Deep Purple. And there's a reason for that because the person who produced this album was Roger Glover from Deep Purple. So there you go. Before that, yeah, boy, here's a man. Somebody wrote, Link Ray kicked more ass than there was ass to kick. <laughs> so, and they ain't that the fucking truth. Link Ray Switchblade from Bullshot that came out in the uh, late 70s sometime. Um, the baseline in that, there is a more than just a hint of Peter Gunn. He, he switches two notes. He goes down instead of up at one point in bass line. But it's very Peter Gunn-ish. Um, what else was on there? Oh, yeah. This is an interesting thing. Uh, some great people are on that album, one of whom uh, the drummer on that is Anton Fig from the World's Most Dangerous Band and then on to David Letterman. Band. He, he wasn't the original drummer, by the way, for Letterman. Uh, that was a guy named uh, Steve Jordan. Steve Jordan was the original drummer for uh, the world's most dangerous band before that what a killer fucking tune robin's theme that is from batman and robin it came out in 1966 and it's the sensational guitars of dan and dale first things first nobody on that album is named dan or dale okay, okay? and it's actually um the 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 uh players on that album uh, for Batman and Robin, uh, they were basically just trying to take advantage of like the hit, you know, the fact that the show was a hit. And so they did these songs, but it's actually members of uh, Al Cooper's Blues Project and uh, Sun Ra's Orchestra. <laughs> okay? And one of the guitar players on this particular track, um, I was trying to remember who the other one was, but one of them is a guy named Steve Katz. Steve Katz went on to have a very good career and produced one of my all-time favorite albums, Lou Reed's Rock and Roll animal mm -hmm. the live album he produced that he worked did a lot of work with lou reed so he's one of the guitar players that is not named dan or dale even though it's the mm -hmm. sensational guitars of dan and dale and kicking off the set bruce bouillet blind as we watched it's from the order of control came out a couple years ago uh he actually got his start um with uh uh paul gilbert racer x he was okay. the other guitar player in racer x so um you know there's some shredding for you right there Hey, guess what? What? We're done, baby. All right. Wrap that shit right the fuck up. It's a good show today. The last song I got, I this is this one, you're gonna like this Okay. Very good disco. It's good disco by a band called C Mandy. And it's called Bra. But that's gonna be our getaway song. I'm gonna come back in two weeks, try and do the exact same thing again. Just a little bit better. As always, of course, from for the man who makes sure that I sound way better than I am. <laughs> Los Georges. Okay, we have we go we get out of here with an attitude of gratitude, of course. As always, it is Aloha. Peace. Good night, Mom. <laughs>